Hey all you nature nerds, this is You're Gonna Die Out There. Welcome back, nature nerds. This is our post-Thanksgiving episode. Mm -hmm. So I'm Jen here with my co-host, Megan. Hello. We are still recovering from the Thanksgiving. Well, I think I'm still recovering because I hosted. Yeah, that's a lot of work. It's a thing when you're hosting a large family of Micronesians that don't eat turkey and stuffing and don't know what it is and don't particularly like it. Yes. (laughs) Hope you guys all had a wonderful Thanksgiving. We considered talking about Thanksgiving and we are going to kind of delve into a little bit of Thanksgiving today on our episode but we both have like similar feelings about the historical relevance of Thanksgiving and how it came about and yeah mostly I think you know I can't speak for Jen but I'm gonna anyway that we (laughs) (laughs) that we view it as a holiday that you get to spend with your family yeah and just remember the things that you're thankful for yes uh and not necessarily the true meaning the true meaning of Thanksgiving yeah let's just what we were taught in school oh geez let's move on from that because it's not real let's just Let's just throw that garbage away. But I do actually want to give a real quick thank you to three of our listeners. Back in the draft episode, we were talking about horses breaking their legs. And I was like, what's the deal? And we had asked you guys, like, can you tell us about horses? And a bunch of people wrote back and I can't find everybody's name. So I'm really sorry. But I just want to Um, shout out real quick, Lindsay, Angelina, and Rebecca. Thank you so much for writing to us about horses. And And everyone else. People sent articles and wrote very long explanations. Basically, what we learned is that horses, once they break their leg, they just can't survive on three legs and they can't lay down because then they'll have issues gastrointestinally and infection wise Mm -hmm. and all sorts of crazy stuff. And then I think it was Rebecca who wrote to us to say that some horses who have very wealthy benefactors will do that thing i think that we had said in the episode where what if you just had a sling yeah but it's like six bend them yeah it's like a really long time though it's really horrible for the horse and it's it's just a lot of work a lot of physical therapy a lot of yeah a sad plight yeah which makes that episode you did on the animal cruelty and the entertainment when they would tripwire horses Mm -hmm. oh my god it's just fully killing them yes like there's no rehabilitation from that i can't even believe people it makes it much more sad i can't believe any anybody would ever think that that was okay yeah i also just real quick want to say we are going to be putting some more merch out we've had some requests for stickers Mm -hmm. they're all really great ideas so i'll be working on that and i'm going to be making some new t-shirts too about corn dogs corn dogs and milk perfect and maybe giraffes wearing neck pillows i don't really have a science news per se but i have some interesting facts the one that i really wanted to talk about today megan is something that i completely forgot to mention during last week's episode about pigs so i called megan this week and i was like holy shit i completely forgot to talk about the fact that pigs have 30 minute orgasms (laughs) and then i giggled like a small child in the guinness book of World records: domestic pig Suscrofa domesticus. Nice. As if you you guys remember from last week that they have on average an orgasm that lasts thirty minutes. 
but it can last for as long as 90 minutes. They're not like ejaculating the whole time. <laughs> right, right, right. Right? Because that would be insane. Is this only male pigs? So it doesn't say, but I was reading the comments to some things because I was trying to find like a scientific article about it, but I couldn't. Sure. I just found it in different places. Some were saying, you know, asking the same questions that both male and female. Some were saying it's just males. Right, right, right. Which is like sucks for the female they're like just go away i want to know the mechanics jen i want to understand and also who's the first scientist to be like observe that or I'm like sure... was it a farmer was he like whoa whoa this is... that just you're still going dude wow i'm gonna time this because this is wild yeah, yeah and then they're like it's been 15 minutes it's been 20 minutes and then they're like jesus 30 minutes he went on his whatsapp chat with his buddy <laughs> farmers and was yeah, like all the farmers and they're like oh yeah mine went for like th- 45 minutes i don't know how they came about knowing that but however it is i appreciate your efforts i also came across this page and it's some random page called um big frog 104 <laughs> sounds like a radio station somewhere so they also put it in there a pig's orgasm last 30 minutes and they had some other kind of fun like animal facts Factoids. i'll just throw them in there just for fun let's hear them a flea can jump 350 times its body length it that's like a human jumping a football field superman but fleas a female cockroach can produce two million offspring in one year that's two million that two million i believe makes it makes my skin crawl thank you Jen. i believe it because you're a peace corps house this is true yeah. Pretty sure that's how many were dead when I woke up. <laughs> that one time. <laughs> that one time that I sprayed uh, my room. Um, and speaking of animal sex again, lions can mate over 50 times a day. I think we might have talked. Did we talk about that did we talk in the about lion that? episode? I don't think we did. 50 times a day? That's a lot. Ugh. No, that's why they have like a pride. They're just like, all right, ladies, line up. Another interesting fact is, um, and I don't know if we talked about this in the elephant episode, but elephants can't jump. Makes sense. We didn't. We didn't talk about that. Oh, you know. but they can they can stomp on you. Well, yeah, they make up for not being able to jump. <laughs> but they can't jump on you. That's a good thing. That's a good thing. Because I'm sure if they could, they would. Ostrich's eyes are bigger than its brain. That makes sense. It's just like in turtles, sea turtles, salt glands mm-hmm. that they have like on either side of their brain yeah. are huge. And the brain is like this little tiny thing in between. But they know what they need to do. I think owls are the same way, right? Their eyes look like giant light bulbs, mm-hmm. but they have tiny brains. Tiny brains. But the brains are like compact and everything they need. They don't waste. Like I feel like we, we just waste a lot of brain space. Maybe. Probably. One, I'm pretty sure. Watch the news anytime. <laughs> you, you know. Back to sex because... Always. Dolphins and humans are the only species that have sex for pleasure. I, I just want to point out <laughs> She's again... She's pointing to me. She's that like, this by is the way. another reason why I think dolphins are creepy. An octopus has um, testicles in its head, but I mean, where else are they going to go? I think that's it. I think the other ones, they had the cat's urine glows under black light. Oh, does it? Oh, I have a black light. (laughs) (laughs) That's good to know. Do you want to know or do you Uh, not want to know? And like, think of all the other things that glow under black light. The other thing is, and I don't know about this, but it says you can tell a turtle's gender by its sound. Males grunt and females hiss, but that has to be like a land, like a tortoise, because... I know sea turtles, no. That's right. not the case. The way you can tell them when they're adults is the tails 
are longer in males mm-hmm. than in females. You can tell by their tail. But I'm because it has to reach around. Those are fun. I'm excited for your story though because I was like, we should do this story for Thanksgiving, right? And we're a little late, but it's we're fine. a little late. But I mean, again, we're not necessarily celebrating quote unquote Thanksgiving. We're using it as a reason to yeah get family together and eat yeah. and force Micronesians to eat stuffing that they don't want. <laughs> no hot dogs, I noticed, but it's fine. I'm not complaining. <laughs> I'm gonna make sure there's corn dogs. So I thought I'd start out this story with talking about the indigenous peoples that lived in Virginia forever. (laughs) (laughs) Since ever since. Ever since. Yeah. Ever since we crawled out of the sea. Right. There are a group of indigenous folks called the Powhatan. Mm-hmm. Hopefully I'm saying that right. I tried to find a thingy thing, but that's spelled P-O-W-H-A-T-A-N. And they were in the eastern woodland areas of what we know as North America. And they occupied the coastal plain of what we know as Virginia. And uh, some people sometimes call them Algonquin because they did speak the same language as Algonquin or they spoke the Algonquin language and they did have a common culture. The way that I understand it, there were all these different tribes, many, many different tribes in that area. And then And there's kind of this umbrella tribe, if you will, of Powhatan. Okay. And they typically would have the chiefs over all these other little tribes. Yeah. In that area, in the region, right? Some of the words that we use today are from the Algonquin language that these folks use, such as moccasin or tomahawk. Okay. Each of those smaller tribes had their own chiefs called werowances or werowances would be male or werowansquas, which would be female. And they lived in several separate villages, but they shared a lot of things in common, just like I was saying, religious beliefs, cultural traditions. And everyone from those little tribes paid kind of like a tribute tax, deerskins, beads, copper, corn, they would pay that to the local ruler. And that local ruler would be part of that Powhatan tribe. So there were female chiefs? Yes. What's really cool about these tribes is that they were matriarchal. So even if you were a male chief, you were past that privilege of becoming a chief from your mother's side. So in return for these tribute taxes, then they received protection from the main like Mm -hmm. overseers, if you will, of everybody. The Powhatan villages were typically located along the banks of larger rivers or major tributaries. A Powhatan house is called Yehaken, not a wigwam, and they're made from natural materials found in the surrounding environment. The framework is usually made from like saplings of trees like maples or red cedar and then they covered the framework with a uh, bark or mats that they made from marsh reeds so probably like a woven type deal nice they would put their houses close to where they would do planting fields they moved around whenever the fields became fallow you can't keep planting the same crop in one area because especially corn um which was a major staple yeah, there's not going to be enough nutrients for however many right, right so you gotta right. switch it out it needs to replenish they would keep their houses close to where they were planting once the area was no longer fertile they would move and move their houses with it and their lifestyle was heavily dependent on the seasonal cycle so whenever they planted hunted fished or gathered that followed whatever the season was or like they're not trying to what did i say last episode terraform <laughs> they're not like trying to force the earth to do for them so they raised vegetables corn beans and squash with corn being the most important they would ground it and make it into flat cakes or boil it and put it in with stews and beans um, and then they use squash and wild game or fish that sounds so good i'd be into that they ate fresh vegetables in the summer and fall and they ate fish berries and stored nuts in the spring fishing was a spring and summer activity and then when other food resources became low they would gather oysters and clams 
Jews. And because food was the most scarce during late winter, they would use the stores of corn from the fall. They would eat more game that they hunted during that time that was out. So like raccoon, deer, opossum, turkey, squirrel, rabbit. Those were like very common, the game that they would eat in the winter. Right. Deer was the most important game because they used it for food, clothing, and tools. So it had multiple uses. And mostly it was the men who hunted, fished, made tools, did all the clearing for um, gardening. And mostly women did the gardening, gathered firewood, made clothing, and kind of took care of like home life. Children were expected to help their parents. Girls weeded gardens. Boys learned to fish and hunt. They played games, mostly running games because horses weren't really a part of their lifestyle. Uh, Having a fast runner was important. A lot of our tactics against any kind of attacks are run. Yeah. Mostly. (laughs) Yeah, it's true. They would be good. (laughs) Yeah, run from those bees. This is a fun tidbit that I read about. Young children were placed in small houses in the middle of fields uh, to act as scarecrows to keep crows and other animals from eating the corn crop. So I think that's probably like during harvesting time or Mm -hmm. like while their parents are working in the fields. I mean, that's kind of fun for little kids just to like scare away birds. Yeah, you have one job today. And you're really good at it. And kids love to run around and be wild. Yeah. Yeah. Both men and women painted their bodies. Uh, They would use paints from oils, blood root and animal fats. And I love this. They rub themselves with bear fat to repel mosquitoes and to also keep warm during the cold months. And I'm like, oh, bear fat. I didn't know that was like a thing to repel mosquitoes. So smart. Uh, Women especially had tattoos of animals and floral designs. And as a mark of wealth and status, the Poetons wore necklaces and ear ornaments made from materials like shells, copper, and freshwater pearls. You know, like that area has oysters. Right, right, right. In the winter, they wore deerskin with fur toward their skin, which I was like, oh, that makes sense. Yes. What were we talking about in Antarctica? Someone was wearing like wool and not animal skins. Yeah. So it was the Norwegians that were better prepared Mm -hmm. because they used animal skins. Right. And then depending on the season, they wore only deerskin or woven grass garments around their waists. Typically, children didn't wear clothing like when they were babies, Mm -hmm. just kind of ran around Mm -hmm. naked butt. Yeah, which is fine. Easy uh, potty training method. Yeah, for sure. So however many, you know, hundreds of thousands of years, these folks were living in what we know as Virginia. And then in 1607, there were three ships that arrived to the Virginia coastline, the Susan Constant, the Godspeed, and the Discovery. And in those ships were 104 men and boys. They were looking to start the first permanent English settlement in the New World, and they wanted to name it after King James I, and we know it today as Jamestown. Sweet. Dun, dun, dun. Did you see anything in there about the Vikings? I have seen some stuff about Vikings, and they traded with uh, indigenous people of North America. Previous to this, there's the colony of Roanoke that, you know, famously disappeared. Uh, What was the word? Croatoan, all that stuff, you know, and there had been a couple other attempts at colonizing this same coast that just had failed previous to 1607. Yeah. But I didn't really uh, spend too much time reading about those. Okay. There is an article, an NPR article, kind of outdated. It's from 2007. It's an interview for the book called Who Was First Discovering the Americas. They interviewed this guy, Russell Freedom, way back when. Initially, maybe in the 6th century, some Irish monks came over on some like the wood-framed boat covered with animal skin. Everybody was like, oh, I don't know about that. That might be just more legend. And then possibly folklore they haven't proven it Mm -hmm. that there were some um muslim chinese mariners that came over from the ming dynasty that's cool and then after that was good old chris columbus what they did say about the vikings 
they came over and actually were in Newfoundland. And they've proven this, like there's been this big archaeological dig. Leif Erikson and his extended family came over. They found remains of houses from their settlement, but they say they only stayed like 10 years. They left because they didn't get along well with the indigenous tribes there. Well, it's nice that they just left. Like they were like, okay, you know what? We don't really like mesh well, so we're going to head back. They really loved it there because they came from Greenland. They were like timber and grapes for making wine. Good people. They were like, we got to stay here. We got to make the wine. And they actually called it Vinland. It's where the winos go. <laughs> yes. I guess it all started out bad in the beginning because they had some canoes or their boats, their Viking ships that were mm-hmm. rolled over on their side. And there were some native people from there that were sleeping under them. Because they're, they're like, these are cool. Goldilocks did. And yeah. they killed them. The Vikings killed them. Fail. So off to a bad start. After that, they tried doing some trading, but they were definitely outnumbered. They never settled again. Listen, we just want to get drunk. <laughs> we don't want to hurt you. We just need some for the, the trip back. Some Viking, Thank you. Some yeah. Viking history. That's helpful in the timeline. All right. All right, so 1607, these three ships arrive. And once they kind of scope out an, a general area where they want to be, they choose a list of council members. So they've decided, like, we're going to have these people be part of our first council. So the first president of the New Virginia colony was Edward Maria Winfield. The other six council members were Bartholomew Gosnold, Christopher Newport, John Martin, John Radcliffe, George Kendall, and John Smith. And John Smith is a name that a lot of people should probably recognize from Pocahontas and you know what I never watched the movie Pocahontas I have never in my life the cartoon it. movie the cartoon movie I'm gonna talk about Pocahontas today a little bit when reading about Jamestown you just can't not talk about her mm-hmm. and all the misinformation that we were fed this guy Edward Maria Winfield who's the first quote-unquote president of New Virginia he chooses an area that they named Jamestown he decides to choose this area because it was kind of a warmer climate and what they thought was fertile soil okay. right? they're looking at it they think oh the soil is very fertile so we're gonna definitely be able to plant stuff here is going to be cool. These guys came over because the Virginia Company of London wanted to expand English trade and they wanted to have a bigger market for English manufactured goods. And they were hoping that they would get some kind of profit by making something in the new world and sending it back. Okay. Were they also looking for gold? There are some things about like, oh, we're going to go over and do treasure hunting and and resources in general. Right. The site of Jamestown is surrounded by water on three sides. So it's like a little bit like a peninsula. It's not quite an island yet, but it was far enough inland that they would be able to defend it against um, Spanish attacks. So at the time, the Spanish were still coming in, like trying to like establish themselves as well. Mm. And then the water was also deep enough so they could bring their ships all the way into the shoreline easy to offload stuff. One of the top reasons that these colonizers felt like it was a good spot was because they did not see that there were any native inhabitants in that area. What's funny is that the Poatan who lived here used that land for hunting, Uh but they didn't live there because it's a swamp. And there's mosquitoes, there's brackish water, so you don't have any drinking water. They knew better. They knew better. They're like, that place sucks. It's probably going to like randomly flood from time to time. It's not habitable. They've known for generations that's not where we (laughs) live. But they see that there's no inhabitants. They're like, okay, we're going to be safe from the local savages. Yes. Yeah. 13 years later, 102 settlers were on the Mayflower, landed in Massachusetts at a place they named Plymouth. These two colonies, Plymouth and Jamestown, are Mm -hmm. the first English settlements in North America, and they are considered like the birthplace of 
the American colonizers. Yeah, colonies. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to talk a little bit about later about Plymouth. It was interesting. The settlers at Jamestown are Anglican. So they're part of the official Church of England. They're not really escaping any kind of like religious persecution. Mm-hmm. From the time they landed, their relations with the local tribes were pretty tenuous. I think they actually came off the ship shooting at some of the tribes oh. people because they thought they were Spanish. I read in one of these articles that it was a misunderstanding or whatever, but they came off aggressive. And then the tactic of these English were to strong arm the tribes into giving them stuff. Like if they needed food or supplies or whatever, instead of trying to foster some kind of relationship with them that was based on respect. Yeah. They were like, you better give this to us. We're going to shoot you. You know, like that. Yeah. Instead of like, here, we have things we brought (laughs) over like metals or things you might be able to use. Mm -hmm. We can trade, trade. Not to say that they didn't do that. They did do that. But then most of the time it was like this kind of strong arm tactic. These guys really suck. By June 15th, they had settled in this area and they built a fort. It was in a triangle shape. And it had these, they call them bulwarks, but it's basically like a place where you can hold artillery that Mm -hmm. can face out so that they're, you know, safe, quote unquote, from being attacked by the Spanish or native tribes. On June 22nd, Captain Newport, he's like, I'm going to go back to England. I need to get some new supplies. We're going to run out of supplies. I got to run back across the ocean. BRB. (laughs) Not long after this, the settlers become very sick. So they're drinking water from this brackish area. It's salty slash slimy. In one of the articles, it said from the salty or slimy river. So there's a lot of things they're dying from. Uh, Mostly it's dysentery. And just like disease. Yeah. Just diarrhea. A lot of these poor conditions were blamed on the president at the time, Wingfield. Well, and also, I mean, if people are just diarrhea pooing everywhere and there's not good water, like how do you clean up things? You don't don't. really. There's no dial. Yeah. There's no nothing. They, (laughs) you know, they just like shaking hands, spreading the diarrheas. So four months later in September, uh, because quote, he ever held the men to working, watching and warding. And because of lack of food, death from disease and attack by the quote, naturals during the worst famine and drought for 800 years, Wingfield was made a scapegoat and was deposed on petty charges. So basically they were like, it's all your fault. You chose this spot. It freaking sucks. We're all dying. There's a massive drought. So even before they got there, there had been drought conditions in that area for like, I think over this period of time, it's a total of like eight or nine years. Then they came like right in the middle of that drought. There was a ship that came back April 10th of the next year, 1608. And they put him on the ship, the supply ship going back to London. And they charged him with being an atheist and also being a Spanish sympathizer. Whoa. In September of 1608, John Smith, he was one of the council members that I mentioned that we all know about, John Smith, but he was made the new governor. There's a lot of stories about him. From what I can decipher is that he was hunting and he had a run in with a tribe that was under the Poetun's protection. And he had used a native guide that was with him as a body shield, like when they were having this fight who, and that guy died. But he was captured and somehow he seemed friendly question mark. (laughs) He gave a compass to somebody and they were like, oh, you seem friendly. And they decided not to execute him. And then there's accounts that um, Pocahontas, who was 10 at the time, like someplace between eight and 10, that she had saved him. But somehow he was given reprieve and actually welcomed to some extent by the chief of the Poetan, who was named Poeten or Wahun Senaka, the high chief. Pocahontas's dad was like, okay, you're cool. You can be part of our peoples. Oh, yeah, that's basically what I could gather 
gather. But in other accounts, this story doesn't show up at all until much later in like the 1620s or 1630s after Pocahontas becomes like a celebrity in England, which we'll talk about. Either way, he was badly injured by a mysterious gunpowder explosion and he was forced to return to England in October of 1608. So dude was only there for like a year. Okay. And he was only governor, new governor, new president or whatever for like a month. And then he went back to England. He peaced out. Because they say it's a mysterious gunpowder incident. Like nobody knows what happened. It makes me think that he like shot his own finger off and was like, I got to go back to London. <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Like he was like, this is, this place is doomed. After John, Smith leaves, George Percy becomes president of the council, governor, or whatever you want to call him. And he faced the issue of dwindling food supplies. And also the chief poetan, Wahoon Seneca, he was like, if any of you guys venture from outside this fort, we're gonna murder you. We're not messing around. And actually, they ended up killing, it was like, for every three colonizers, they would kill two, two out of every three. Wow. I know. So the death tolls were really high. They're dying from being attacked, fevers, famine, swellings. I think that's just infection, all the stuff. Don't scratch those mosquito bites. All the poops. And let me just say that there were very obvious whitewashed versions of Jamestown. And there's a mention in one of these versions that food was running low and that the chief of the Poetan, he started to send gifts of food to help the English, that they wanted them to persevere. And I'm like, what? It seems to me like they wanted them to leave. Yeah. <sighs> I forget Maybe which website. Maybe he sent them food. It's possible that they trade, traded something to him, that they were so desperate that they gave him something that he wanted. Maybe. And maybe he gave them food. I don't know. Or but he gave them food that was cursed. Diarrhea food. So by late 1609, the relationship between the Powhatan Indians and the English were rough. That winter, it is known as the beginning of the starving time. When they're coming out of the fort, they're getting killed. So they don't leave the fort, which means that they're not going hunting either. So their food supply is seriously dwindled at this point in the winter of 1609. And as a result, they start eating anything that they can. So whatever animals they have inside the fort or whatever they can, I guess, catch like from right outside the fort. Leather from their shoes and belts, which reminds me of... Donner Party. The Donner Party. Yeah. Yikes. And then sometimes fellow settlers who had already died. Yikes, here we go. Here we go. By early 1610, most of the uh, folks who had come on those three ships, 80 to 90% of them, according to what's written, had died due to starvation and disease. George Percy, who had taken over Mm -hmm. as governor or president of the council or whatever, wrote in his journal... Then, having fed upon horses and other beasts, as long as they lasted, we were glad to make shift with vermin, as dogs, cats, and mice. There were charges of cannibalism, starving settlers dug up, dead corpses out of graves, to eat them, and others licked up the blood, which had fallen from their weak fellows. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Even more reason for the Native Americans to be like, "Uh uh-uh. Not into it. Just stay in there. I'm not trying to make light of the fact that these people were in a very bad situation and dying. Like, that's terrible. So there was a group of archaeologists in 2012... Uh, the Jamestown Rediscovery Archaeologists, they mm-hmm. uncovered the first forensic evidence of survival cannibalism in Jamestown. Let me just read a little bit about what they found. The chops to the forehead are very tentative, very incomplete, says Douglas Owsley, the Smithsonian forensic anthropologist who analyzed the bones after they were found.
found by archaeologists from Preservation, Virginia. Then the body was turned over and there were four strikes to the back of the head, one of which was the strongest and split the skull in half. A penetrating wound was then made to the left temple, probably by a single-sided knife, which was used to pry open the head and remove the brain. So they don't know a lot about how this particular cannibalism happened, but they do know that it was a girl named Jane. And if you remember, there were not there were not girls like in the beginning of this, but right. they can't tell if she was murdered or if she died of natural causes. And then the butchering of her body was kind of like the postmortem. But they hit her in the back of the head. I think the anthrop- anthropologists are trying to say that they did that in order to crack her skull open, not to like murder her so they could eat her, but that she was already dead. And then they had to crack her skull open so they could eat her brain. There aren't other marks. They mentioned there would be other marks that would be indicative of her being alive. Like the way that they hit her head was less chaotic, which I guess if you're hitting someone who's alive, it would be more chaotic than if they were already dead. The best that I can think of is like when you open up a coconut. Yeah. And you're trying to hit the same spot. But if they're alive, possibly fighting for their life, you're probably not going to hit the same spot as easily. Or it would be a much harder blow. A much harder blow. Yeah. Yes. They think that it was more of like a coconut situation. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Oh they discovered this girl's remains during the summer of 2012, and they found a deposit of refuse, just like a basically a garbage hole uh, mm-hmm. that had a butchered horse and dog bones, and then some random bones of hers, so human teeth and a partial human skull. And I think that they later found a shin bone, and that's how they were able to say that she was about 14 years old, was by the growth of the shin bone. They did CT scans of the bones, replicated them as virtual 3d models and put them together to assemble the skull and they were able to actually like come up with a facial reconstruction for jane so you can go online in some of these articles and see her actual face yeah i what actually they came saw up it with. yeah she's pretty she's, she's a pretty like little a girl little girl yeah researchers are also kind of hoping that she died of something and then they just scavenged which seems to be what was happening with all the cannibalism that was recorded by people who were there. They did figure out that she was of British ancestry. Owsley says, the clear intent was to remove the facial tissue and the brain for consumption. These people were in dire circumstances, so any flesh that was available would have been used, says Owsley. The person that was doing this was not experienced and did not know how to butcher an animal. Instead, we see hesitancy, trial, tentativeness, and a total lack of experience. Also makes me think like, if they don't know how to butcher an animal yeah that's pretty rough they're in the wilderness essentially right how are they surviving anyway like who's you know butchering the animals for them and maybe that's another way that they're getting sick because they don't know how to i'm sure they had to have some experienced hunters at least originally well i do know that john smith was considered an experienced hunter and trapper and he had taught everybody until he mysteriously had to leave yeah but what i'm saying is at this point maybe all the people that knew died maybe this was like a really young person just trying to survive so they do say that owsley just to give you some Background on Owsley, he's one of the country's most prominent physical anthropologists. He's analyzed many cannibalized skeletons from ancient history as an accomplished forensic investigator who works with the FBI. He's also worked on more recent cases like the victims of the 1980s serial killer and cannibal Jeffrey Dahmer. Oh, I hate that story so much. In total, he estimates that he's examined more than 10,000 bodies during his career, oftentimes people who were killed in tragic circumstances, including victims of 9-11 and journalists who were kidnapped 
and murdered in Guatemala. Uh, Most of his time, though, he spent working on more inspiring cases such as the 9,000-year-old Kennewick Man discovered in Washington State and the mysterious remains of ancient Easter Islanders. He says, I love the moments when you come up with something that you're just totally in awe of, gives you an overwhelming sense of wow. So it seems like he knows what he's talking about in terms of like, okay, this girl was cannibalized. These are the marks that show these things. Yeah, because he's seen it. Yeah. yeah. And he's working with a Smithsonian. So he thinks that Jane, they just call her Jane, arrived to the colony in 1609 on a resupply ship. There were nine ships that were coming from England. The Virginia Company had sent them in July of 1609. So probably late 1609, whenever this starving time really started to kick in for them is Mm -hmm. when this supply ship arrived. So just like just in time. (laughs) Before they all completely starved. Yeah. There was only like one of the ships that actually made it there. There was a big hurricane on their way over. Mm. And most of this fleet was scattered. The largest ship called the Sea Venture that ended up shipwrecked in Bermuda. That ship had more of the supplies. Captain Christopher Newport was there, Sir George Summers and Sir Thomas Gates. I guess they were all kind of the leaders of this group of nine ships. They were all in Bermuda as well. And then in mid-August, some of the ships arrived to Jamestown with 300 colonists and very few supplies. So their big supply ship got knocked down to Bermuda and then the ship carrying 300 additional people, including this girl. Mm -hmm. I read this article about like mail order brides in England because Mm -hmm. they wanted to settle that area. Once they realize, okay, we're good, we set up this fort, bring people over with the supplies, we're going to bring supplies, and part of the supplies were ladies. Those poor ladies. Yeah. So it seems like this girl was on one of those ships that made it there. They did isotope analysis of her bones, and she had a high-protein diet. He thinks that she probably was the child of a gentleman that came over on the boats. You know, like an English gentleman. So they don't know who consumed her. Um, So Owsley thinks that there were multiple cannibals involved because the cuts that he found on her skull were that tentative kind of Uh like not very skilled uh, cutting and hitting. But the ones that they found on her shin were much more skilled like a butcher. They think that she was consumed by a number of people and possibly dismembered, which is why they can't find all of her because she might be in different locations like parts of her. Oh Which is God. very sad. You just wonder, like, what what's her story? Yeah. Was her mom with her? Was it just her dad? Was it... Yeah. Those nine ships coming over in the fleet were scattered out and some people were lost. I'm sure that it was difficult, especially for a kid. And probably some people died on the way. Oh, for sure. Because, For yuck. sure. Owsley says that it appears that her brain, tongue, cheeks, and leg muscles were eaten, uh, with the brain likely being eaten first because it decomposes so quickly after death. He says that there's no evidence of murder. Like what I was saying... Um, that it seems like this was out of desperation and necessity and that the way that she died wasn't related to the cutting up of her body. George Percy also describes in that letter, so he he talks about how people were like desperate and they ate vermin, shoelaces, and then other fallen settlers. He also talks about how he tortured and burned alive a man who had confessed to killing, salting, and eating his pregnant wife. (gasps) Yeah. The remains of this woman, along with other victims of cannibalism, may still be someplace in that fort. Um, They haven't found them yet. He killed his pregnant wife? Yes. And freaking ate her? Yes. He admitted to it. I guess he killed her. He salted her 
body for storage and ate her. Oh, my God. And George Percy found out. The thing is, he talks about how he tortured and burned this man alive. So I'm like, did that guy kill his wife? Just because, you know, torture is not like the best way to get correct information from people. So but at the same time, I mean, I don't know if there was like evidence. Obviously, they found evidence of it. Or well, maybe they found out. I mean, they're yeah. just like, where's your wife? Well, if he did do that. That's rough. Not cool. They had the Wendigo. Wendigo. Wendigo sickness yeah wendigo sickness there you go they just lost their minds this description that george percy wrote about and the fact that they found jane's remains Mm -hmm. leads people to think that there's more bodies so i did do a little bit of searching and i found a couple articles about some men's bodies that were found sometime between 2013 and 2015 um, but they weren't cannibalized it looks like they were leaders of that group of some sort they don't know who they were uh, but they were buried under the church they were not eaten they were just buried. So they don't know when they were buried or what happened to them or anything like that. Those are the only bodies they found since Jane that I could find information on. Oh, weird. So then what happened, Megan? Then the following spring, so spring of 1610, the shipwrecked guys in Bermuda on the mm-hmm. sea venture, they showed up. They were like, hey, what's up? They had built themselves a new boat. Drinking like coconuts. <laughs> yeah. They've got like, like a they've tan. Got, like, their Aloha shirt on. They've got like a flower marmar. They've got some sashimi. <laughs> There's like like limes. They've dreaded their hair. Some coronas. Someone has like a steel drum. <laughs> they go, they come up. It's like the music. <laughs> They're like, we're the fun colonizers. What's up? They're like, what's on your face? Oh, these are sunglasses. <laughs> <laughs> You guys don't know what sunglasses are? (laughs) Yeah, so they show up from Bermuda. They arrive and they're like, oh, wow, you guys are like, we're going back to Bermuda now. (laughs) They're like, this is a hard no for us. Everyone. (laughs) (laughs) They're like, everyone get on the ship. We're going back to London. Like, F this place. It's not happening. You guys are gross. Number one, there's no shower. Nope. Get on the boat. This is not island life right here. This is not how they do (laughs) it in Bermuda. So they put everybody on the boat. They head out. As they're leaving, this other guy, Lord Delaware. Wait a second. Delaware? (laughs) In some of the things, it's like Lord Delaware. Like D-E space L-A space capital W A R R mm-hmm. and then the other things they just say Delaware. So I'm like is this guy the guy I like Delaware. <laughs> I know Delaware. Um he shows up with his ship and he like stops them. All right you guys turn it around. I'm about to be governor of this place. I'm going to get it hopping. I got all these supplies. We're going back to Jamestown. I'm going to make it work. Because he was like, wanted to be the leader. And all these other people are like, I just ate my wife. I, I feel like I need to leave. I've been traumatized. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Can you imagine you're one of those people who've just, I mean, just, I'm imagining so dirty, just so dirty, mentally traumatized, either seen or partaken, partook in cannibalism yeah in dire straits they're probably somewhat insane at this point yes this guy comes with a boat he's like okay let's go back home they're like oh thank god yeah they get on the boat they can see the horizon of the sea and then it's just like delaware he's like halt (laughs) turn your shit shit behind him is like sir road get it rhode island that's funny yeah And so they turn back around. What? Why can't they just be like, yeah, no, we're good. We're just going to keep. I think because he had already been in that ship of nine ships or whatever. He was like the dude. The dude. I guess he would be more like the big Lebowski and not the The, dude. But yeah, (laughs) (laughs) obviously this guy who came with the ship, the sea venture that whoever was doing, you know, headed up the sea venture was the dude. That's Mr. Lebowski. I'm the dude. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) 
they go back to the settlement. In 1612, John Rolfe, who was one of the shipwrecked guys in Bermuda, helped turn the settlement into a profitable venture. So his story is intertwined with Pocahontas' story. He introduced a new strain of tobacco tobacco seeds that he brought from someplace else. I'm not entirely sure where. Bermuda. It might have been Bermuda, probably. <laughs> that was the cash crop that they were looking for. This Virginia trading company or whatever wanted to, to start. So December 4th, 1619, more settlers showed up. When they arrived, it's said that this is the first official Thanksgiving Day that was celebrated. So there's two versions I read about the Thanksgiving. Okay. One of them is this one. And it says that when they set foot on shore, the proprietor, whoever was running that ship, was like, quote, the day of our ship's arrival shall yearly and perpetually be known as the day of Thanksgiving. And that is the first official Thanksgiving day, December 4th, 1619. Interesting. Uh, July 30th, 1619, Governor Yearly, who had just been appointed, he called the first representative legislative assembly that was held at Jamestown Church. This is the beginning of representative government in what now is the United States of America. And in that same year, the first documented Africans were brought to Virginia. And this is in the kind of like whitewashed version of this. It's like, and then there were Africans that came to America. Imagine that. It's amazing. That's so incredible. They came on a ship. There's no like slavery mentioned in this. Not even the word. Not even the word is in there. So it's like, oh, they just came over. Cool. Cool, 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 cool. Yeah, weird. Also in 1619, the Virginia Company recruited and shipped over about 90 women to become wives and start families in Virginia. So they had sent some over in that 1609 fleet. Mm -hmm. And then 10 years later, they sent some more over because they They didn't get the memo. Like if you die, they eat you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, they're like, we got to replace all the ones we sent over before. (laughs) Yeah, over 100 women who brought or started families had arrived in prior years, like I was saying, but Mm -hmm. 1619 is when um, establishing families became the number one focus. So initially, if you'll remember, they wanted to find some kind of cash crop. Mm -hmm. some kind of something to sell. Now that they have tobacco, right, from 1612, they can send over ladies and start procreating. In 1622, there was a massive... Pohatan uprising against the colonists. And that is when the colonists gave up uh, trying to Christianize and uh, live peacefully with the Pohatans. Live peacefully, meaning, look, we'll live peacefully if you become Christian. If you completely conform to what we want, is that we're going to strong arm you into doing what we want you to do mm-hmm. so that we can all be friends. That's, but- that's how friendships work, 100%. A lot of these like little facts in the timeline come from the Jamestown website, the historical visit, historical Jamestown, which obviously people who run it want you to go visit there yeah but it's not necessarily i mean it's very like happy (laughs) (laughs) it's It's the first you know settlement Was, was the church inside the fort Yes. Like everything was in there. Everything was in there. All right. So today, Jamestown Island is a historic site. I guess there's still a private residence on the island. I, I'm not sure who it is that lives there. I didn't really look up information about if it was like just a National Park Service person, like a caretaker mm-hmm. of that place. But um, it is preserved by the National Park Service and Preservation Virginia for visitors to learn about the importance of Jamestown and what was born out of its being the first permanent English settlement in North America. So I guess you could read that in two different ways. Uh-huh. You know if you're an American patriot, which you can be an American patriot and care about our government and all of those things, but still completely acknowledge the atrocities that were bestowed upon the native tribes that were there. Yep. All over the world. It's always happening. It's still happening. It happened a long time ago. Just people, humans. Just stay home, everybody. Humans are just really something else. (laughs) (laughs) 
It's true. (laughs) You know, that's a good t-shirt idea. Humans, they're really just something else. So let's talk a little bit about Pocahontas. This whole story kind of started because Jen and I were talking about she was telling me about Jamestown. And I was like, wait, what? They ate each other? I didn't know that. And so I was like, well, that's interesting. Yeah, we'll do that for Thanksgiving. That seems appropriate. But then I read all of the fairy tale versions of Pocahontas. Like the Disney. Yeah, this can't be right. It's like you hear inklings of Mm -hmm. like, no, this isn't how it was. Like she was actually kidnapped and all this. So I was like, where can I find the actual real story? Like who's going to tell the actual story? So I googled actual story of Pocahontas. And I found this article in an online publication called IndianCountryToday.com. It is called The True Story of Pocahontas, Historical Myths versus Sad Reality. There isn't a date for when she was born. Her mother's name was Pocahontas, and she died while giving birth to her daughter. And her father was Wahoon Seneca, which is the paramount chief that we talked about earlier, Mm -hmm. who they sometimes call Poetan, like the tribe Poetan. But her name at birth was Matoaka, which means flower between two streams. Mm -hmm. And according to Mataponi history, which is like her individual tribe, Mataponi. It was given to her because she was born between the two rivers of Mataponi and Pamunki. And when his wife died, Wahoo Seneca was like distraught because of that. And because she also kind of looked like her mom, he really loved her. He really loved Matoaka, kind of like doted on her a lot. Mm -hmm. Of course, he had other wives and different tribes. Mm -hmm. So she had lots of brothers and sisters. And they, I mean, it was kind of like just a very happy, the way that they describe it is the Mataponi were like very happy people. Yeah. Because he had always cared about her mother and because she kind of looked like her, he started calling her Pocahontas as kind of like an endearing nickname. Yeah. According to Mataponi oral history, Matoaka was about 10 years old when John Smith showed up in the area that they call Seno Komoka. He came in the spring of 1607, right? He was 27 years old. She was approximately 10. They were never married. They were never involved. So when she was a child, when she was like 10, John Smith would come with other English. English colonists, when they came to demand to strong arm for food and supplies, they Mm -hmm. would always bring like guns. And he was considered really feared by all the people who were there because they would come and they were just like really mean. They were armed and yeah, armed and dangerous. Mm -hmm. And in the winter of 1607, the colonists and Smith came in and met with a bunch of Powhatan warriors. Actually, at that time, Smith was captured by the main chief's younger brother. Right. Who I think is the guy who later like is involved in that uprising. But anyway, part of me thinks like, yeah, they were strong arming them and they were bringing guns. And like when you said they got off the ship shooting, shooting yeah. I think they were just scared. Oh, for sure. It was an unknown land. Yeah. And- people that look completely different, mm-hmm. live a completely different lifestyle. And they were scared as well. I mean, I'm sure there were better ways, but I think it's like two groups of completely different people, people. just being mm-hmm. scared of each other. And it just... And one group kind of like open to differences and the other group very much like things have to be this way that we say they have to be. Yeah, because that's how it is, especially in that strong Anglican atmosphere. Yeah. They actually did form this kind of loose alliance because both the English and the Powhatan 
feared the Spanish. Like they didn't want to get involved in fighting with the Spanish. So they decided to form this kind of like alliance, which is how John Smith was welcomed. I'm using kind of air quotes, welcomed into the Poetan. Okay. <clears throat> I think it was just kind of like a necessary evil at that point. It's like, who do we fight? Do we fight these Spanish who maybe were more brutal? I don't know. I'm not sure what it was about the Spanish exactly that uh, everybody like, was not cool with. It seems like they were. Yeah. It's, it just, yeah. <laughs> I mean, just everything you read about every Spanish explorer that comes over. I mean, they enslaved people and tortured and brutalized. Where it seems like a lot of these settlers were just scared and Mm -hmm. trying to... I, I mean, I'm Maybe not... grow some things. They, I mean, they definitely... There was some brutalization that happens later on in this story. Yeah, in comparison. In comparison to what... It, DeSoto came over before, yeah. you know, this. It came over to Florida, mm-hmm. brought the pigs. But he also, along his journey, enslaved a thousand indigenous people. Yeah. At least. According to oral history and contemporary written accounts by the Mataponi, Wahunesca grew to like Smith. And then eventually he gave him a position of werowance or like a leader a little bit like an honorary Mm -hmm. degree if you will right (laughs) years later so this is the time it was what did i say like 1620s 1630s something like that Mm -hmm. smith says that pocahontas saved his life in a four-day process of becoming this honorary chief or werowance but according to mataponi oral history there's no reason to ever threaten to kill a man if you're gonna give him an honor they're like, that makes absolutely no sense. This whole idea that Pocahontas came in and, you know, laid down her head on the chopping block to save him from being killed. That's complete BS. They're like, no, if you're getting an honor, there's like a process to that, mm-hmm. but she's not going to save you. And on top of that, likely children wouldn't have even been there. No, exactly. That's what I was going to say. This is yeah. like a... It's like a warrior deal yep. and like an adult deal mm-hmm. and children wouldn't have been included in that ceremony. There are some other historical accounts that Pocahontas Pocahontas defied her father and brought food to the colonists of Jamestown. But again, the Mataponi tribe histories say that this, these claims cannot be true. Jamestown was about 12 miles from where she was living. The likelihood that she would travel alone mm-hmm. is inconsistent with the Poetan culture. Even if they did go there, it would be just a gesture of peace. Like she, and that really wasn't happening a lot. So they don't think that she snuck food over to the starving Jamestown folks. Mm-hmm. On top of that, travel to Jamestown required crossing large bodies of water and they would use 400 pound dugout canoes. So I don't think that a 10 year old Pocahontas is, isn't there like an image of her in a canoe just by herself in the movie, the Disney movie? Oh yeah. Yeah. Her and uh, another girl are like swimming and playing in the water. It's in the beginning. And they're saying that too, if, if like a group of the Poetan or the Mataponi went to go visit the Jamestown people, they would have done it as a group. If they brought her, it would have only been because she was a child and that would show people that they didn't have any ill intentions. You know, if it's like a group of dudes with arrows and bows like ready, that's like a different than if it were like women and children and men right. that all go together. It says something different. He's just a liar. Yeah. In 1608 and 1609, John Smith's role as Wants or the chief of the colonists had taken an ugly turn. The colonists made inadequate attempts to plant crops and to harvest and Smith violently demanded supplies from su- surrounding villages after once again holding a gun to the heads of village leaders. Nice. That's wow. Those are the accounts from the Mataponi histories. And one tribal woman 
actually says in these histories, quote, you call yourself a Christian, yet you leave us with no food for the winter. So he's like running up into these villages and basically stealing. threatening stealing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Robbing Pillaging. these people yeah. of their food. Not cool, dude. Yeah. It's recorded that Pocahontas's father, who had befriended Smith, once said to him, quote, I have not treated any of my werowances as well as you, yet you are the worst I have ever had. Wow. Yeah. John Smith said that Wahoo Seneca wanted to kill him and that there was a plot against his life. And he only knew about that plot because Pocahontas had come to warn him. But again, this is something that the Mataponi oral histories are like, never happened. And at the time that this would have happened, it was like wintertime. It was super icy. And because she's the daughter of a chief, there's no way she would have been able to travel by herself unnoticed as a 10 or 11 year old to go and warn John Smith. Because remember, he was only there for like a year. So it's like that would never have happened. Not a fan of this guy. To further prove that this tale that he has woven is fake, a letter by Smith written in 1608 was published without Smith's knowledge. The letter makes no claim of Pocahontas trying to save his life on two separate occasions. It wasn't until Smith published his book, General History of Virginia in 1624, that he claimed that Pocahontas had saved his life twice. And any of the folks who could say like, that's BS, Mm -hmm. they were all dead by that point. And that's like, yeah, 16 years later. So this is kind of the part where it gets really rough. And I just want to throw out that if anyone's experienced sexual assault or anything like that, we're going to talk a little bit about it. A little trigger warning. A little trigger warning. Yeah, Yeah. just skip ahead. Uh, So the early 1600s, when the colonizers showed up, they, of course, see it's all men and boys, right? Mm -hmm. The women of these native tribes typically just wore woven skirts, things to cover their bottom half, but they would go topless. I see where this is going. Young children and women were targets of rape. And native women in the tribe would end up offering themselves to men to keep their children safe because the men would come in and, you know, either sexually assault or try to kill the young children Mm -hmm. to get the women to comply. And the Powhatan people were super shocked and horrified by these behaviors because that's not anything that anyone in these tribes would ever have done to each other. It was considered one of the worst crimes you could ever commit, forcing yourself on somebody. In the midst of all of this... Matoaka or Pocahontas, she's coming of age and she's about 14 and she has a courtship dance with Kokoam, who is the younger brother of another chief. In their local religion, they get married and she becomes pregnant. And it was around this time there was a rumor that the colonists were planning on kidnapping Pocahontas. Right around the time that she's like 15 or 16, so like a year or two later, she starts to feel actually threatened by these rumors. Now it's like a plot. She was living with her husband in his village the Potowomack village. There was an English colonist and his name is Captain Samuel Argyll. And he was wanting to capture her. If he caught her, then the native tribes would stop attacking them. Argyll finds out that she's in this Potowomack village. So he goes to the chief and he's like, listen, you better give up Pocahontas to me or you're going to suffer violence against this village. Essentially, again, a gun to the head. And he has to make this choice and he decides that, okay, maybe they're only going to take her for a little while. He gives her to them. Right. And he's like, I got to save this village. Um, Because I think at this time, Argyll also told him that maybe it was only going to be temporary, like just a little while and we'll give her back. Of course, he didn't keep his promise. He gave this chief a copper pot. He later said that that he traded the copper pot for Pocahontas. 
Like, it's totally legit. Like, we didn't steal her. We traded for her because women are definitely worth copper pots. Oh, my God. People still believe, I guess historians still teach that it was a trade and not a kidnapping. I don't think anybody in the tribe would have accepted a copper pot for one of their people. Right. No. Before she left the village, she had to give her baby, little Kokoam, to the women of the village. And then they put her on an English ship where she was held captive. And she didn't know that her husband returned to their village after she was taken. And then he was killed by the colonists. (gasps) And the tribal chiefs of the Poetan never retaliated for her kidnapping because they were super scared. Like they thought that if they tried to go and get her, either they would be captured and killed and then that would leave their tribes open to more violence. Right. I think they thought that they're just holding Pocahontas because even though these other things have happened, like these rapes of other women, these brutalities against children have happened, on some level, I think they're thinking like they're just going to hold her for a while. Oh my God. According to Dr. Linwood Custolo, a historian of the Mataponi tribe, and the custodian of the sacred oral histories of Pocahontas. Soon after being kidnapped, she was suffering from depression and was growing more fearful and withdrawn. Her extreme anxiety was so severe, her English captors allowed Pocahontas's eldest sister, Matachana, and her husband, Utamatamakin, to come to her aid. Dr. Custolo writes in his book, The True Story of Pocahontas, The Other Side of History, that when Matachana and her husband showed up, she confided in them that she had been raped. When they took her to the ship, um, she had been raped. She had told them that there was more than one person and it was done repeatedly. So this is the part where in the article they talk about they understood that tribes might capture each other, but they would never rape someone in a capture situation. Rape in Poetan society was virtually unheard of because the punishment for such actions was so severe. And the thing that I think is notable about this is that she told her family. In a lot of cases where people don't talk about rape or it's not like punished to the full extent of the Mm -hmm. law, Mm -hmm. people don't want to come forward. Because when you come forward, then like what's going to happen? Nothing. There's no justice. But she felt comfortable enough to tell her family. Poetan society didn't have prisons. If you did something wrong, mostly it was banishment that would happen. And you can't survive without the tribe. Like either banishment or maybe some sort of um, winning. (laughs) I can't think of the word. Yeah, like you you have to give an offering. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's very similar to what we've learned about in the islands. It's like when something wrong has happened, there's a whole process of like keeping the peace afterwards. But if something's so bad then you're just banished. That still happens. Yeah. You know, you get sent to maybe another island right. or you get sent somewhere else. And in this case, that is the level that they felt about rape. It's like, nope, you yeah. can't be here anymore. That's it. That's really telling about what kind of a human they are. Historians think that she was likely held in Jamestown, was possibly relocated to Henrico, which I'm not sure exactly where that is located. Okay. Um, but that's when she became pregnant, like after she was raped and she's pregnant now. Ugh. John Rolfe, the guy who came up with the tobacco as a cash crop. He married Pocahontas in order to create an alliance to the ba- tobacco production. And it turns out too, the Mataponi, I think it was the Mataponi, they had like a special way of curing tobacco and it was a secret. Hmm. And he knew that she knew if he married her, he would be able to have access to that secret. But... Mataponi history is clear that Pocahontas had her son, Thomas, and that was before she got married to John Rolfe. But I think in English histories, Mm -hmm. it's like she married John Rolfe, they had a son. Right. Prior to her being married to John Rolfe, the colonists pressured Pocahontas to become, quote, civilized and often told her that her father did not love her 
because he had not come to rescue her. She had a lot of trauma from all of this. She would tear off her English clothes because she felt they were uncomfortable and they forced her. Um, I think they forced her. It doesn't say forced in the article, but I'm assuming just because of all the things that have happened to her Mm -hmm. that she was converted to Christianity and she took the name Rebecca. So then in English history, she's known as Rebecca Pocahontas Rolf. Oh, my God. So, of course, in the middle of her being captive, this is when the English colony of Jamestown was failing and all of the, like, cannibalism and the starvation and all of that stuff. So they were probably not as bad off as they were, but they were still failing. And this is the time that Rolf figured out the tobacco practice, the curing practice, Mm -hmm. and made that tobacco the big cash crop for the Virginia Company. Some historians claim that Pocahontas and Rolf married for love, but (laughs) Pocahontas was never allowed to see her family, her child, or her father after she was kidnapped. And when they were married, there's a painting of her marriage to John Rolf, and her father is in the painting, but he was not there. He did send a string of pearls, like a special type of ornament for women in the Poetan tribes. Mm -hmm. It said that he wasn't there. After they got married, the tribe shared that curing practice with Rolf. And then it became the big sensation of England that saved the colony of Jamestown. And they made money. And that's when all the other people were shipped over and things started like going well for the colonizers. Right. So... Um, Of course, when this tobacco boom happened, a lot of people came over, took land from the tribes, and the tribes couldn't fight as many people as were coming. And so they lost a lot of land during that time. Just to mention this. So Dr. Cusselo did write in his book that although Wahoo Sanaka did not attend the wedding, we know through sacred Mataponi oral history that he gave Pocahontas a pearl necklace as a wedding gift. The pearls were obtained from the Chesapeake Bay oyster beds. The necklace was notable for the large size and fine quality of the pearls. And Pearls of the size were rare, making them a suitable gift for a paramount chief's daughter. No mention of this necklace has been found in the English writings, but a portrait of Pocahontas wearing a pearl necklace used to hang in the governor's mansion in Richmond. Wow. Yeah. All right. So after all of this happens, Pocahontas is taken to England. Kind of the point, it seems, of why they take her to England is to raise more money. Poetan heard rumors that the the colonists wanted to take Pocahontas back to England, and they were like we don't want her to go to England. Mm -hmm. Uh, So they did try to rescue her or they considered trying to rescue her. Her father still really feared that they were going to hurt her, kill her. So he was like, I don't want you to do this. She ends up going to England with um, John Rolfe and their quote unquote son, Mm -hmm. Thomas Rolfe and Captain John Argyle, the guy who kidnapped her. And then several native tribal members, including her sister, Matachana. Even though a lot of settlers were committing atrocities against the native tribes, it's said that people in England, especially of the like elite, were not okay with the mistreatment of natives. I think that this is the point why they bring Pocahontas to England is like, look, there's this native who's like super cool and she has an English name and she got married to an English guy and they have an English baby and look at this. She's really great and she loves us. And it's all fine. Yeah. We're all together. Everyone's cool. You're cool. We're cool. It's all cool. Yep. Buy our tobacco. So yeah, they used her as a way to show friendship with Native nations and to get more financial support for the colonies. Matachana says in her oral 
accounts of this is that she realized that Pocahontas was being used and really wanted to get her home. And Pocahontas also had that same, like, I just want to go back home. I want to see my son, little Cocoam. She actually, during her travels in England, did meet up with John Smith again. Like, she probably remembered him from when she was like like, 10. Remember that time you saved me? She's like, nope, (laughs) that didn't happen. That's not a thing. She expressed her outrage to him, felt like that he had initiated all of this betrayal to the Poetan people. He was supposed to be a good, considered a good leader, Mm -hmm. right? But he was not. She was like, you need to get this fixed. Of course, he didn't do that. He just wrote a book and said that she was, you know, loved him and stuff. After they show her off to the English elites, they plan to return to Virginia in the spring of 1617. Pocahontas was in good health. I mean, she was like 21. She's in really good health, despite all the shit she's been through. They get on the ship and they prepare to go home. They have dinner, like shortly after this. I don't know if they're already sailing or if it's before they sail. They eat dinner with Rolf and Argyll. And her sister says she vomited and died. Whoa. And that was it. According to her sister Machana, she feels like Pocahontas was poisoned because she died so suddenly. Whoa. But why would they do that? Well, I think because she expressed how angry she was to John Smith. The way that I imagine, I mean, this is all speculation, mm-hmm. but the way that I imagine it is that she saw John Smith. She was like, you need to fix this. This is all the stuff they've done to me. This is not okay. Like she's speaking the truth. Yeah, like my father befriended you and gave right. you this name and then you had to be a big shit bag and then yeah. now look. And look, they kidnapped me. They raped me. I don't know whose father this, you know, kid has like all these things that have happened to me. I had to marry this jackass over here. Right. Right. This is not okay. I can imagine that John Smith wouldn't want that information to get out to any of the English elites who are financing these trips mm-hmm. because obviously they took her there to be like, look how great she is and look how much she loves us. But that's not the truth. I mean, there's even um, she met the king and queen of England mm-hmm. and there's like a painting of her meeting them. According to Montepone oral history, many of the native people accompanying Pocahontas were sold as servants or carnival attractions or sent to Bermuda if they became pregnant after being raped and sold into slavery. <gasps> Pocahontas was just under 21 at the time of her death and instead of being taken home and laid to rest with her father and her tribe, she was taken to Graves Gravesend, England where she was buried at St. George's Church March 21st 1617 and the virginia tribes have requested that her remains are returned to where they should be but uh officials in england say the exact whereabouts of her remains are not known her father never got to rescue her and uh, they say he died of grief less than a year after her death just a really sad story it is really sad some like side notes here so there are descendants of pocahontas so there are historical references from Mataponi and Potawomek that say she mothered two children, Thomas Rolfe, right, who we don't know who the father is, and then Little Kokom, whose dad was killed. Mm-hmm. Little Kokom was the name that Dr. Linwood Custolo used for the purpose of his book to reference that small child. And in the oral history, the child was raised by the Potawomek tribe. Mm-hmm. And the name of that child passed down in Potawomek oral history and was discovered to be Ka-Oki, a daughter. I guess that's the lineage. That lineage with Ka Oki includes a famous entertainer. What? This is kind of a fun part of the story, I guess. Yeah. Who? Wayne Newton. What? <laughs> I know. Wayne Newton is a member of the Virginia state recognized Poetan Potawomek tribe. Really? Did you know that? No. I never knew that. Hold on. I have to look up Wayne Newton now. He's still alive. Born in Norfolk, Virginia. 
How interesting. Do you know any of his songs? Donka Shane. Is that him? Darling Donka Shane. Yeah. That's oh, yeah. Name. I see it. I see it. Right. Also known as Mr. Las Vegas, the Midnight Idol, Mr. Entertainment, and Mr. New Vegas. He has an English, Irish, Scottish, Welsh, German ancestry. Mm-hmm. He claims he has Native American ancestry due to his mother being half Cherokee and his father being half Powhatan. Powhatan. Yeah. But there are no records that this of this claim well did he do his dna i mean how cool would it be to find out that's your lineage so anything from the the other yeah thomas rolf stayed in england he was educated there he later returned to the poetan as an adult he was married and had many descendants it doesn't say anything else wait did he marry poetan i don't know Oh, that would be cool. What if he he was in England? He like found out somehow about what happened to his mother. And he was like, you know what? F you guys. Yeah, I'm going to my mom's side. Yeah, I'm going to go to this other side who aren't savages. Exactly. Yeah. There are so many stories in today's episode, but that is the story of Pocahontas. No, this is so interesting. Yeah. And I did want to throw in uh, just a real quick thing about Plymouth. The Pilgrims yes. in Plymouth. Yeah. Um, so Plymouth, Massachusetts uh, was chosen because it provided good anchorage and an excellent harbor. Uh, but there it was Wait, cold. an excellent harbor? Harbor. <laughs> <laughs> it had a really great harbor <laughs> where you can pack your boats. How <laughs> <laughs> uh, you like them apples? <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. So good. Uh, so yeah, the but the Climate was really cold. The soil is rocky and very thin. And so they didn't have large farms. Mm -hmm. So they ended up doing a lot of lumber, shipbuilding, fishing, and trade. The pilgrims were there because they were looking for freedom from religious persecution. And they actually initially, I never knew this. I don't know if you knew this or not. Wait, were they Catholics? No, no, no. They were not Catholics. They're Protestants. Okay. They're not Church of England. So they leave England. They settle in Holland because there's religious freedom in Holland. Oh. Because no one cares in Holland. Holland's like... They're like, you be you. You be you. Just wear these cool, like, wooden shoes. But... What? After a number of years, the pilgrims felt that their children were being corrupted by the liberal Dutch. Wait, I don't even get it. They felt like the Dutch were too liberal. They were like, you're too open-minded. You are smoking too much weed. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like They felt like they were losing their English heritage. Wow. Yeah. And so they heard about English colonies in Virginia, and they were like, we're going to leave this place. Forget you Holland Dutch libtards. <laughs> we're going to go to Plymouth, Massachusetts. So we can build And we're our... going to settle in the new world. Yeah. So that's what they did. And live our lives. I mean. Interesting. Yeah, I didn't know I that. I feel like they messed up there. I would have just stayed in Holland. Yeah, for sure. Come on. I mean. They got those cool shoes. Yeah. They let you do whatever. They were the coolest, the... obviously. Honestly. Cooperation and hard work were a part of the Pilgrim's lifestyle. Nevertheless, they too were plagued with hunger, disease, and environmental environmental hazards just like our friends in Jamestown. Environmental hazards? I think they're talking about maybe like animals or I'm not sure. They don't really there's no I didn't read too much about the pilgrims. I was just like let me just read this little article about comparisons like, and contrasts to okay. Jamestown. They were dissenters from the Church of England and they established the Puritan or Congregational Church. So prior to their arrival there was an epidemic that wiped out the majority of New England native tribes. And several of the survivors of those native tribes befriended and assisted the colonists, which was mistake number one. (laughs) 
the good relations that they had uh, ended in 1636 when the Massachusetts Bay Puritans declared war on the Pequot or Pequo tribe. I'm not sure. And Plymouth was dragged into that conflict that they had. In the fall of 1621, the pilgrims held a celebration to give thanks to God for his bounty and blessings. This occasion was the origin of the, the traditional Thanksgiving as we know it today. It was like around the same time that Jamestown yeah. was doing the Thanksgiving deal. So I think most people think about the pilgrims mm-hmm. and Thanksgiving, mm-hmm. but I think it was like same deal around the same time as Jamestown. This was in the Compare and Contrast article. It's like, whatever, Thanksgiving happened sometime in like 1620s. Let me just say that I did use, there was like a couple things that I read in on this website called History is Fun. Dot org. <laughs> and I just want to say that that is not where you go learn <laughs> any of this history. That was more of the whitewashed version. Okay, so I have a friend on Facebook who I don't know if if he listens to our podcast or not. My derby coach's husband, he posted this article on a website called Truth Out. Mm-hmm. I would say that 95% of the people on my Facebook are really liberal. Mm-hmm. And Thanksgiving is not a day of thanks for them. And so he had posted this article. It's entitled, This Tribe Helped the Pilgrims Survive for Their First Thanksgiving. They still regret it 400 years later. I'm going to put this article in the show notes. And I just think that everybody should go and read it. It is about the Wampanoag tribe nation. There used to be someplace between 30,000 and 100,000. And their land used to stretch from what's now southeastern Massachusetts to parts of Rhode Island. They are the tribe, the nations that helped the pilgrims and it is not the same story that we learn of course in school so i am going to post this again it's the articles from truth out for our organization to support are you oh yeah i'm ready you know i thought about this because this story i mean it's a little bit about the land not some there isn't like a particular animal species or anything like that that we're talking about but we are talking about indigenous tribes our history and how it's not exactly what we all think it is or we're taught to believe it is Mm -hmm. um so i would like everybody to support indiancountrytoday.com it is a daily digital news platform that covers the indigenous world including american indians and alaska natives indian country today is the largest news site that covers tribes and native people throughout the Americas. Our primary focus is delivering news to a national audience to your mobile phone. Indian County Today is public media. We are a nonprofit news organization that sustains itself with funding from members, donors, foundations, and supporters. We also sell advertising in a variety of formats. Oh, cool. Yeah. So it's more of like, here's where you get your real information. Yeah. And their board of directors, their writers, everybody, they're all indigenous peoples. I really liked their site. And I think that we should support them. Totally. I agree. Yeah. And this that's where I got the article about Pocahontas and all the oral histories from the Mataponi, which was interesting. I mean, I never knew any of that. No. That's... I knew that it wasn't exactly what everyone said it was, but I never actually knew what I think what a happened. lot of people don't know. So there you go. So this is fitting for Thanksgiving. A little late. A little late. It's but fine. But it's okay. <laughs> so you got the survival of the mm-hmm. early folks. I always think about this when we hear about history. I mean, we always hear either the extreme good or the extreme bad. I mean, that's how it makes it into the books, right? I always think like not every single person was bad or didn't care um, on all sides. And I always think that I'm like, what kind of human would I have been back in the day when you had these atrocities? Seriously. Well, and, and you think about that, like maybe the people with money were like, oh, we should help the native people because they, you know, they're not going to go to heaven. That kind of stuff. You know yes. what I'm talking about? 
yeah. like there's instead of just being open to learning more about what they believe or misguided yes. i think there were definitely more of the mindset of people back in that time i feel like was more like we're on a mission from god you know what i mean yep yep they were just like full blues brethren but like not cool it's pretty wild how we learned it growing up i think the only reason i know that the story of Thanksgiving wasn't exactly what they say it was, mm-hmm. was because of the Adams family. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Because, I mean, I'm almost 100% sure up to that point of seeing the Adams family when Wednesday Adams was is like, like was, is... That when, was that Adams family values? That, yeah, yeah, it was it's the like second one. When they got sent to summer camp. Yeah. Yeah. And they, they recreate the first Thanksgiving and that just, I mean, and I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> like it it never occurred to me because you're just taught things. It's like, you know. I think I in college, I took some sort of history class. I don't know the name, if it was just American history. I think it was American history, but we read books, right? Mm-hmm. Like different we yeah. read Sitting Bull and some other books. And that, that was a time that I was like, eyes opened you're all like, the way. Wait a minute. Just like, what? And then just the feeling of shame. Yeah. For what happened. But what do you... How are you going to fix it? <laughs> I mean, you got to look for things like Indian country today. Try to... And know, support as much as you can. Right. Yeah. As educated as possible. Yes. Right. You can't go back and change True. things that your, your not people until, did. Not until we get that time machine sorted out. How about that as our emergency preparedness kit? You know what? <laughs> That's not bad. That's not bad. I feel like that's going to fix a lot of stuff. <laughs> Just go back. But it's interesting because even if you think you're going back to stop some horrible thing from happening, it messes up all the other stuff. In theory. I mean, I think that there's no way you could stop humans from expanding and moving and populations from growing and things from happening, right? You just mm-hmm. can't. You can't stop that movement. The tide. It just happens and, and humans are just terrible. The worst invasive species of all time. We've said it before. Uh, there it is again. Yeah. And then they're not all bad, right? You know, mm-hmm. some people just get, they're just part of it, the flow, you know? And yeah. what is your emergency preparedness kit item? I mean, you have a couple choices here. Well, what's my, what's what, my dilemma? Yeah, what's the dilemma? Um, is it cannibalism? Oh, Jesus. Well, we kind of went there with the Donner party. Is it like mail order brides? Is it, you know, Ooh. living in a fort full of dudes? Stinky balls. Is it dealing with colonizers? Is it Pocahontas's situation? Oh, so many things in this so story. So many things. Dude. I have a thought that I feel like would have changed history as we know it. But what if they just sent all women? You know, I had that same thought. First of all, right? it wouldn't be called Fort Stinky Balls, and I don't think that they would have <laughs> trapped them inside because they were so disgusting. I don't think that the women would have strong armed anybody. No, no. I think that they would have just been like way more cool, way more like look here's our situation. Can we help you? You help us. I think it would have been cleaner. I don't think so many people would have died. The women who came over wouldn't have had anything really to fear from the native tribes because... Well, they wouldn't have known that at first. So they would have... But they would have approached, approached with caution and just been like done their best to try to communicate. And this isn't a man-hating thing. I'm just saying. No, no, no. no. I'm just saying. I agree with you that women are probably less likely to get off the ship shooting. They probably would have kind of sat on the ship for a little bit, just Mm -hmm. like, hey, hey, we're cool, you know. Yeah, leave all the men back. Nobody would have been raped. No pillaging. It would have probably just been like a mutual, how can we help each other? I'm like, I'm dead serious. I don't know how you put that in your emergency preparedness kit, but if you could go back and change history. A woman diplomat. You don't need dudes. Women can hunt. Women can do everything. Amazons. (laughs) Not, I mean, but not even Amazons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just regular, like women can do all the things. I mean, I still think we need a time machine because we have to like burn down the patriarchy. (laughs) 
<laughs> like literally <laughs> like we would have to you have to start from scratch here i feel like the vikings were you know they're pretty you know there were strong women there maybe yeah. what you need are some extra vikings some shield maidens there you go instead of a bunch of dudes i mean even if they did have dudes you could bring some some viking shield maidens who'd be like keeping everybody in check you guys here you english mm-hmm. calm your tits yeah and they would have been like I'm going to go talk to these native tribes over here. We know you. You know us. You know my great-great-grandfather who was over here. My great-great-grandmother. Yeah. yeah. I like it. I think you're right. Some Viking shield maidens. I mean, so I love true. men. I love... Gu- I'm not saying this isn't a man-hating thing. I'm just yeah. saying. Yeah. Yeah. I dig it. Uh, All-woman crew. Led by shield maidens. <laughs> Led by shield maidens. I love it. <laughs> Folks, give it a shot. I mean, one of the ships that came over to Jamestown was called the Susan Constant. Mm-hmm. I mean, that just indicates that obviously Susan is a constant. You know what I mean? <laughs> Come on. It's all in the name. It's, it's already there. It's already there. I feel like a lot of this could have been avoided. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. Sorry. I just looked over and our dogs are delicately smelling each other. Megan, I love that. Thank you for doing that story. I was oh, hopeful you, you would be into it. So thank you. It was a that's, lot. That's and- a lot of history. That's a lot of trying to pronounce indigenous tribes names and people's names. And it was I a, learned a lot today. An interesting story. I yeah. feel like everybody's going to learn a lot. I hope so. And um, I just wanted to say we have a patron to shout out. We do, yes. Do you want to say it? Oh, yeah, sure. Go ahead. Uh, thank you so much, Alexa. Thank you, Alexa. For joining our Nature Nerd family. And if you would like to become a patron, check out our website, click on our Patreon link, or you can go to our link tree on Instagram and check out our Patreon that way. Other ways you can support, subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts. If you give us a five-star review, we'll send you a sticker, possibly two if you send us pictures of your pets. Fill out the contact form on our website, or you can just email us at you're gonna die out there at gmail.com and send me your mailing address. It's that easy. You can also support us by checking out our sponsor links on our website sponsor page. All of our sponsors are eco-friendly, zero waste. You will get discounts using our discount codes and the links that we provide. And you can also support us by following us on Instagram or Twitter and listening on any platform like Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Oh, and if you have ideas for stories or you saw some interesting news or some science news, feel free to send us an email or send us a DM on Instagram. And until next time, don't die out there. Bye. and you you called me and you were like hey can you come grab the hams put them in your oven and i was like yeah no worries right i came and got them went back to the house put them in i definitely burned them like (laughs) oh they were good though whatever but (laughs) like i was eating my plate and i was like this is dry no they were okay they were okay and but they were gone they They were were completely totally because it's ham it was ham it's pork yeah pigs Speaking of. <laughs> and, you know, um, the turkey, the reason she needed to do that is because it went in late. Because mm-hmm. tell me people out there who cook turkeys because yeah. most of my life I had never cooked a turkey. Mm-hmm. But I put it in the fridge for at least five days. Mm-hmm. It was still freaking frozen in the middle when I pulled it out. I was like, you got to be kidding me. That's why it went in late. And then I was like, Megan, can you cook the fans? Hi. <laughs> hey. Um, can you help me out? Yeah. So mm-hmm. anyway, but it was great. 
It was fun. I like that um, at the end, you brought out the cranberry sauce from the can. <laughs> oh, that's and the other thing. Nobody was, ever yeah, needs cranberry sauce. It was sauce. just you and me and our friends, uh, our friend and your mom. Yeah. So just like the American people at the party. Yes. Eating this cranberry jelly. This off is of this the jelly plate. sludge yeah. that yeah. just like slides ever so slowly <laughs> out of the can. <laughs> it's like <sighs> the best part. That's the best part. It's the only time of year. Yeah. Like, does anybody buy cranberry sauce, like, during... For other times? Yeah. No. Maybe some people do it for Christmas, maybe. Maybe. But um, I feel like it's a Thanksgiving thing. And then there's people that make it from scratch, and I'm just... No, thank you. I mean, congratulations on being handy in the kitchen. Yeah. But um, I will take that can... I will take the can over handmade, homemade know, cranberry sauce any it's, day. It's sad. I think it's because we were conditioned as small children. Yes, 100%. Mm-hmm. It's really got my goat. What was that? <laughs> Remember that was, what was that? American Dad? Family uh, Guy. Family Guy. That's it. Yeah, that really grinds my gears. Really grinds my gears. Yeah. <laughs> Peter? I think I would have that show. Like the oh, mood really? I've been in all week yeah. is, is that really grinds my gears <laughs> all over the place. That, that's the level that you're at right now? That's where I'm at. I love it. Owlsley. Owlsley. <laughs> Owlsley. Bueller. Bueller. O-W-S-L-E-Y. You said it the same every time. That's the thing. Owlsley. Owlsley. Okay. It's because I keep reading it in my mind as Owlsley, but it's Owlsley. Does that sound the same? That sounds the same. Anyway. It's the same. Either way. Oh, my gosh. Um, and then they did some CT scans, and they also did, um, what's it called? Carbon dating. Thank you. But there's like another word for it. Yeah, they don't call it that anymore, do they? Yeah. That's like old school. <laughs> We're like aging ourselves with carbon dating. <clears throat> um, they faxed over the carbon dating information. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we need those TPS reports. Going into Fort Stinky Balls. <laughs> <laughs> dirty balls just so so so, so gross they just walk in they're like ew yeah <laughs> and here is our stinky ball church <laughs> welcome ladies <laughs> and, and this is where we lay our stinky balls to go to sleep <laughs> this is where the stinky ball magic happens good times <laughs> i don't know how much of this we can keep i feel i hope we're not like part of me is like i hope we're not offending anybody but at the same time colonizers <laughs> at the same time these are our people so uh, we, yeah i mean i feel like it's self-deprecating at this point it is i don't think there were any italians there my for my ancestors they were not there until 1910 all of them all of them i'm yeah. like a i'm like revolutionary war girl i can't say from my the irish side yeah I, that goes back and there's some people from kentucky there so i can't even oh i can't i say, don't want to think about i it. don't want to think about my <laughs> my family but let's think you know when i did my dna it's like 100 percent white right that's all it said <laughs> <They're> just, <laughs> <laughs> like uh <laughs> like colin, colin rosenberg Ro- robinson I rosenberg keep, colin robinson Colin Robinson yeah. from, uh, yeah, What We Do in the Shadows. He's like, mine just says white. He showed 100% white. white. 